to Where's Home Really with me, Jimmy Famarewa, a podcast that gives me the chance to speak to some brilliant guests and get under their skin to try to understand who they really are. This show is about culture, identity and heritage, a space for these guests to talk about not only who they are, but why they are. And we'll hear from them about some of the elements that have shaped the person they've become. Each episode, I'm going to ask my guests to tell me how they define the idea of home. I'll do this by asking them about four key elements. Those elements are a person, a place, a phrase, and a plate. So for me, and I feel like I've really sort of buried the lead in waiting this long to say it, the person is definitely my mum. She is this diminutive but titanic figure in all of our lives and just the sound of her kind of cooking in the kitchen, singing to herself, fussing, having multiple phone conversations is that sense of kind of security and everything is going to be all right and she's probably going to tell me off for something in about five seconds. But enough about me, let's hear about today's guest. I make sure my son knows that he is of both heritage. In my house, you will see a map of Africa. You will see a map of Jamaica. You will see history books. We've got the complete history of the of Yoruba. We have complete history of Jamaica. Well, I don't play those games. You will know who you are. Do you understand? Because you have to. And I make sure I educate him on the importance of understanding and appreciating that rich heritage that he has from both cultures. Babatunde is a comedian and a writer. Having first shot to wider prominence alongside Mo Gilligan on Celebrity Gogglebox, he gained an army of new fans after appearing as one of the campmates on the 2022 series of I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. As an actor, you might know him from hit TV shows like Law & Order UK, New Tricks, Waking the Dead, EastEnders and Doctor Who. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you for having me, bro. (laughs) I normally start off by almost throwing the show title straight back at the guest and just gauging their response to it, really. So when we talk about where's home, really, and that question, what does it make you feel? What does it make you think of? Oh, it makes me think of my upbringing, my house in Tottenham. So just to jump in quickly, that still feels like home rather than the home that you're in right now, the home that you've made for yourself, do you still revert to the home you grew up in? Sometimes, yeah. I mean, the home I have now is totally different compared to like what it was like when I was with my mum. I mean, my son has a middle-class life, (laughs) you know? Yeah, and and so are there feelings of like almost alienation like from your own life that you've built that you've obviously worked hard for and we'll get into the incredibly successful period that you've had over the last six months 12 months two years however you want to cap it obviously what made you and what built you is so different to what's making and building your son in some ways but I guess in in so many other more meaningful ways you're passing various things on yes yeah, it's, it's different but at the same time my mum was always hard working so I feel like I always I've I got that from my mum watching her really go out there and always working hard to provide for her children 
I get that from from my mum. So that is not changed. When I'm at home and 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 I've been working, I kind of feel like I'm in that space now, like that headspace. Sorry, that my mum was in back in the day. The only difference is just the 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 language and the culture. You know, I grew up. Mama, I'm first generation, so my mum yeah talking to me always in Yoruba, and the food is different and everything. You know, so my son is very British. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like that's probably something that we share. Both of my kids are very British in that way. But, and you know, their mum is is English, is white English. So it could be a tussle at times, but at other times it feels like, oh, they get this very rich, varied upbringing. But I think, yeah, it's such a different circumstance, isn't it? And I definitely there's times when I kind of like bristle slightly at like their relationship to Nigerian culture. If I detect even a slight bit of apprehension, I kind of morph into my elders in this really kind of weird way. But it's because, it's, it's because you know, when you get older now, you look back and like, man, it was so rich. The culture was so rich. Like when I taste my mum's cooking now, all my days, I'm like, why did I ever complain <laughs> about having rice every day or eating, you know, a barrel or all these different like meals? Why did I ever complain? Because I taste it now and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I miss this so much. That is one of the more fascinating things about this idea of home and home and culture that you may be didn't appreciate at the time and then you just find yourself like aching yearning for which person for you you've mentioned a few people in your life already you've mentioned your mum but which person for you really encapsulates and stirs this sense of home and uh, the person that you are I'm gonna go with my wife you know what the reason why I chose her is because we have gotten to make a home for ourselves. Both of us come from a background where we never had a permanent house in our respective families. We both moved around quite a bit. You know, I always stayed in the borough of Haringey. So I lived Tottenham Wood Green. And the same for my wife. She moved all over the place and stuff like that. So being able to come together and build a home of our own is so special to both of us. I think people can tell when they come to our house, just just the work we've put in, the long years it's been of us, you know, really developing the house bit by bit by bit. I never could have, you know, done this without her, you know. And this is, forget fame, forget all of that. We did this before all of that even came into the picture. And that is just special. That's beautiful. And I think that notion of of creating the home that you didn't necessarily have and maybe taking some of the bits from your own upbringing that you loved and that you cherished and you're starting to appreciate even more and kind of putting them into a, a new context is like a really like emotionally powerful thing. And so the person that you've done that with and to share that with someone like with your wife must be amazing because she's she's uh, Jamaican heritage, right? Yes, she is. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> As yeah. I know from your uh, stand-up sets, you kind of have quite a bit of fun with that as a consideration. I did sort of wonder with that in mind 
obviously Jamaican and Nigerian cultures, two sort of very fiercely proud black diasporas and kind of with real embedded roots in the UK. How does the conversation go in terms of like, you know, is is there a kind of, are you building something new or is there a kind of a dominance? Is there a tussle at like around food and design choices and things like that? Or do you just kind of concede and lose no. every time? <laughs> nah, you know what? It's funny that you say that. Both cultures are so similar, other than like maybe language barrier or food. But even then, it's not that much of a big deal because it's like, yeah, well, your food's tasty. Well, our food is tasty as well. Oh, yeah, da 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 And we just get on with it. Music might be different, but Nigerians love reggae. <laughs> yeah, 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 completely, yeah. And I think this was one of the big epiphanies when I was doing my book. I had it pointed out to me that they're essentially the same diaspora. <laughs> like, you know, like, particularly if you look at kind of the slave trade and taking most people from West Africa to the Caribbean, like there's so much overlap. And so to have that manifest in your own life and in your own family is like a beautiful thing. Are there things that you kind of are specific about having in your home that kind of are really kind of cherished examples of the way you grew up, your own culture, your own family? Just a representation of both cultures. I make sure my son knows... Africa. My son absolutely knows Africa. He knows Nigeria. He knows Jamaica. And he knows that he is of both heritage. So in my house, you will see a map of Africa. You will see a map of Jamaica. You will see history books. We've got the complete history of the of Yoruba. We have complete history of Jamaica. Well, I don't play those games. You will know who you are. Do you understand? Because you have to. And I make sure I educate him on the importance of understanding and appreciating that rich heritage that he has from both cultures. I mean, both are rich in like culture and vibrancy and music, artistry, just everything. Like even education, when you come to like, obviously both cultures, like Jamaicans and Nigerians take their education so serious. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So my son is very aware of who he is. He has a Nigerian football kit and he has a Jamaica football kit. Both cultures are thoroughly represented in our household. That's absolutely beautiful. Is that something that you learn kind of from your own upbringing? Is that something that you kind of, lessons that you absorbed of pride taken in culture and the importance of knowing who you were? Characterise your your upbringing for me. Like you, you moved around a lot. You're in sort of Tottenham, Harringay way. But what was kind of day-to-day -day life like? Oh, day-to-day -day was Nigeria. <laughs> when you, like outside of the house, outside of the house, that was Tottenham, right? Inside of the house was Lagos, Nigeria. Right. This is <laughs> interesting. <know>? So <laughs> as soon as you cross the threshold. I'm telling you. And like, you know, people might not understand, but I went to what is called a white garment church. So they spoke nothing but Yoruba. I grew up very much heavily like absorbed in the culture of Nigeria. So that's all I knew. I didn't understand anything else. Do you, do you understand? And so I think that's what shaped the way I raised my son, but also just my appreciation, listening to elders. When I was young, there was like, you know, heavy influence of like Rastafarians within Tottenham on my estate. And they instilled a sense of pride for Africa 
into the children, you know, because they were they're very much heavily, you know, influenced by the culture back back home in the motherland. So I always had a sense of pride of who I was, but hearing it from people who were searching for their true identity, that made me appreciate who I was even more. And then listening to music like Felokuti, hearing Felokuti talk about his love for his heritage and his traditions, that even made me feel even more proud about who I was. I always had that from young. I always loved being called Baba Tunde. Obviously, that's my name, but I always loved my name. I've always loved my culture. I've always loved my traditions. Everything about Nigeria, I just absolutely love. I really want to hit on what your phrase is. I wonder if it's Nigerian. It doesn't have to be. What is the phrase, the the collection of words, the term that that really sort of pulls you back into this idea of who you are and home and what makes you belong? Brethren or brethren, as we used to say. <laughs> that was a big one. And it meant so much. It meant so much. And we don't say that no more. It's like we don't use the word brethren no more. But back in the day, it meant so much for you to look at someone and say, yo, that's my brethren. Rather than that, now, we, now we've, we've, we've softened it and we've gone back to brother. It was much more stronger back in the day, man. Yeah, yeah. And I guess, again, something that comes from Caribbean or specifically Jamaican culture that, you as a proudly, albeit on your own journey, young black Nigerian man, that you kind of adopted and absorbed that from from your friends and the environment. And it wasn't the possession of any one culture. It kind of belonged to everyone and it meant so much. What was the kind of the British influence, the Tottenham influence, the London influence? Did you feel kind of caught between at any point? Were you kind of being pulled in different directions or was your mum's influence and your family's influence and your culture's influence so strong that that you weren't going to be pulled into anything else? Well, that whole music scene, you know, the garage and then the grime, that shaped our culture so much. I think everybody in my class had an MC name, you know what I'm saying? Like, everybody had a tag name because that was the in thing. But it was just so prominent in our culture, like, the music, the fashion, everything just stood out. I look at, like, some of the pioneers nowadays, like, you know, that whole Soul Solid generation, Averix jackets, one tens, everything that we put on a platform is what shaped me. Flashing forward to you starting to work in comedy, what was it about comedy? Is there a, is there a specific moment? Was it a series of moments? Because I, I imagine that is just as important a part of who you are as, as all these other things we've been talking about. With comedy, I was always the class clown. I enjoyed making people laugh so much. I loved it. I loved being the funny guy. I just loved watching people laugh. And also, when I saw Eddie Murphy, that was it. It's because that level of observational comedy, I always found myself just watching how people interact, how different races, you know, interact and talk and all the, like, the subtleties of just being human. I picked up on that and was able to kind of like mimic that. And once I saw that, oh man, I'm actually good at like, you know, playing other people, you know, my comedy brain would always switch on. So it was just one of those things where it was bound to happen, me going into comedy because I was obsessed 
with making people laugh. Welcome back. This is Where's Home Really? My name is Jimmy Famarewa, and my guest is Babatunde Aleshe. How you doing, Jimmy? Nice to be here. I want to just drill down into place. We've touched on various places and we've talked kind of in a roundabout way about Nigeria as this kind of evocative, almost emotional space. There's Tottenham, there's where you live now. But what are you going to go for as your pick for place that really cements or solidifies this notion of home? I'd have to go back to Tottenham. Yeah, I have to. I try to think of other places, but... Honestly, Tottenham taught me so much about who I am as a person, gave me an identity, gave me a real understanding of of the world. Everything was there. There was good people there. There was absolute bad people there. I got introduced to an early stage of life isn't sweet. And that was a great lesson for me because you go into life understanding that there are, you know, some bad people out there. There's some brilliant people, but also opportunity. I I, I understood opportunity. Just everything. I never walked into any new environment blindfolded. I was always aware, very aware. And if I was almost like unaware, I'd catch on very quick. I'd put it down to being raised in Tottenham. You touched on it earlier about, you know, the the richness of, of those dishes and appreciating them more in early life and those triggers of home being almost more kind of powerful in adulthood. Let's stop straight off on your food then. Let's go for the plate. What is your... Dish. What are you going to go for? What is the thing that you that you long for, that you yearn for? Or it could even be linked to your home now and your kind of beautiful union of cultures with yes. your wife. What is the food you're going to so go for? So I like to, I'm going to do a fusion here. It's the, one of the greatest things ever. Jollof rice. I say jollof and jerk. Jollof rice and jerk chicken. Woo! It's a beautiful marriage. I feel like not only is it a beautiful marriage in terms of cuisine, But I think that represents me and my wife. And that's something that I think we can both agree on when it comes to what are we going to eat? If I say jello fries, she'll say yes. If she goes jerk chicken, all right, cool. And that's something that my son will even agree on and say, I'll have a bit of that as well. Amazing. So, yeah. Because you you touched on the fact that your your son has a kind of Britishness and a middle-classness that is alien to how you were brought up and to what you what are your touchstones does that manifest in food as well oh, then yes. you have kind of oh, oh really? my <laughs> gosh yes this boy oh my lord mate when it comes to him eating so you're, you're dealing with a whole next person because me and my wife you know we can eat our traditional foods she can go back to like hard food and you know ackee and salt fish all them stuff and the only thing he will have is the jollof rice that's as far as he goes for now i do believe as he grows older and he begins to taste more things and like obviously expands his palate because you know children all they want is chicken nuggets and fish finger all that nonsense right but as they grow older and they taste more and more and more i i do believe he will he will grow uh, more in love with both cuisines 
we've barely talked about the jungle, but I think as we're talking about delicious food, and I just think of you there having like four grains of rice and beans and kind of, it's, it's such a strange show in that so much of it is kind of shaped by hunger and people kind of losing their minds because they've not got food and celebrities competing in the most kind of like difficult and uh, hazardous ways possible for the right to like have better food. It's been a little while since you came out. It's obviously completely changed things, it looks like, from the outset. How do you reflect on that? Is there any aspect of it that wasn't what you expected of, of kind of coming um, out? The only aspect of it that I just wasn't expecting is just how difficult it is mentally. Like, food wasn't a problem, honestly. And I don't think food was a problem for the majority of us, apart from Owen. Uh, but that was just because of the body, the uh, muscle mass that he had. For me and the rest of us, we didn't. food wasn't the struggle. Mentally, facing the trials was the struggle because it was just like you went into everything not knowing what is going to happen, what's going to take place. And everything was so new, so, you know, there in your face, like in the moment, like you were forced to always be in the moment and not think outside of that. But we did great. I I would have to say we did our best. We had a lot of full stars, courtesy of Matt. I always start by saying, first of all, big up to Jill Scott, who was the winner. But in regards to Matt, I will say this. Look, I'm a Christian and I can disagree with everything someone has done and equally say, I believe in second chances. And if I, as a Christian, don't practice forgiveness, then what's the point of me even being a Christian? Because that is the very foundation of the whole faith. But equally as saying that, I can equally say you've completely failed the people, you know? I think that's the understanding me and Matt have, and that's what's allowed me and him to have the relationship we do have to this very day, which is we are very much cordial. We're very cool with each other. We don't exchange any, like, disrespectful words towards each other. But rest assured, I do not agree and have not agreed with anything that guy has done. And I just have to clarify that because I get a lot of people messaging me going, how are you friends with this guy? And it's just like, we are not friends. Let's put that out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I love that you mentioned your faith there. And, and you know, we've, we've talked about it a little bit, but clearly that is part of the ingredients uh, that make up who you are and your sort of sense of home and your kind of North Star in that way. Another thing that I wanted to just quickly touch upon before we kind of wrap up, actually being in Nigeria. Is it right? Have you been back? You're not going to be happy with me, Jimmy. I've never been. Oh my I know, God. I know. I no, know. this is great actually because it, it's it's very rare that I'm in the, in the position of saying that I'm a better Nigerian, to be frank. Like that I've actually been like, <laughs> what, twice in 20 years? You know what? You know what? We are going back this year. Oh, that's and fantastic. I cannot wait. That's amazing. And you're going to love it. But that in itself is really fascinating to me that you're your experience of Nigeria has all happened through the prism of London life, through diaspora and through connections with your family. And so this place that looms so large, for you to have never been there, that must be such a strange thing. Was there a reason why? Was it any number of things? No, the reason why, um, you know, single parent, my mum didn't make a lot of money 
And so any money she did make back then was always put towards, obviously, a roof over our head and food within our mouths. Now, when I had gotten older, education and all of that, that's cool. Yeah, you know, couldn't, still couldn't afford to go. And as I grew into an adult, very independent, now the demand for me to always be present and be available is still here. So it's like every single time when I want to go, it's just like, well, not this year. You've got work. But this year is the first time I can say I actually have some time. Even though I'm in, I'm on tour, I've got a three-month break. And during that three-month break, I plan to go back home. I honestly do think that once I get there, I do feel like that connection, that thing in me that may be missing is going to click straight. Because that's when I'm going to be able to look around every single, like just everywhere and go, Everyone I look at is Nigerian. Everyone I look at is Black. Every single person is who I am. And once I'm able to see and connect with my family over there, like my immediate family, same blood, same everything, granddads, and all, I'm ever going to be able to, to look at myself differently. And I want to be able to be like, that connection is there, man. We talked a lot about Nigerian culture and British culture kind of interacting with each other. What are some of the positive impacts that you see the Nigerian culture, African culture, West African culture at large has had on the UK. Are there any things that spring to mind? I would say education is a huge one. When you talk about some of the top students in Britain are Nigerian. I believe at one point the smartest girl in Britain was a Nigerian first generation born. And so Education's always been a big thing in Nigeria. It's beautiful to see when it impacts another country. Beautiful. Babatunde, this has been a total joy. Thank you for sharing who you are and what gives you this sense of home. Thank you, man. Thank you. I love speaking to people when they're just at that moment where probably after quite a long journey, they're just kind of breaking through into new worlds. But I loved how himself he is, the pride that he takes in where he's from, the different parts of what make up his culture, the world he's been for himself, his relationships, his being a father. He's got such a kind of lovely, genial outlook and clearly just such a driven, funny, focused, sharp guy. And it was really, really great. It was inspiring to hear how he talks about himself and where he's from and how he represents it. And yeah, it was an absolute joy to have him. Well, that's it for this episode of Where's Home Really? With me, Jimmy Famarewa. An exploration of the different rich and colorful elements that help define us and give us a sense of where we belong, which isn't always one specific place. Join me next time when I'll be inviting another special guest to share their four elements that reveal where's home really for them. And why not follow Where's Home Really on your favourite podcast platform? And we'd love to hear your thoughts, so why not pop us a comment or review and spread the word. From Podimo and Listen, this has been Where's Home Really, hosted by me, Jimmy Famarewa. The producers are Tayo Popula and Aidan Judd. The executive producers for Podimo are Jake Chudnail and Matt White. 
And for Listen, it's Kelly Redmond. <laughs>